Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by guest Lucy Flores. Lucy, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. To get started, could you let folks know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, yeah. My name is Lucy Flores and I am a design strategist dedicated to advancing equity in the food system. So what that essentially means is I help organizations that are tackling strategic, programmatic, and other types of challenges and help them identify impactful solutions through equity-driven design. Interesting. Equity-driven design. Is that a term that you made up? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. So um, it essentially means facilitating a design thinking process or a human-centered design process. So for folks who are unfamiliar with that term, it essentially means a creative problem-solving approach. And it's been used for a long time in design fields. And, you know, in recent years, increasingly, um, it's a problem-solving approach and design approach that's being applied to the social sector as well. So um, in terms of applying the this equity lens to it, it's, you know, human-centered design and design thinking is, I guess you could say it is, you know, a niche or it's an area. Um, and applying the equity lens while that's happening increasingly, I think, among designers, it is still relatively like emergent in the mainstream okay. um, way. Okay, so you didn't make it up, but it's very it's a it's a specialization inside of a specialization. That's right. Okay. That's right. So sort of a subset or a particular lens on human centered design. That's right. Okay. That's good. Is there um, is there a lot of demand for that? Who what kinds of what kinds of companies are wanting equity driven design as a it's it's mm-hmm. I would I would call it a horizontal specialization. It's like this capability or a talent or skill that you have. And, and I'm going to guess that you're passionate about it because otherwise, why would you pick it? And uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so you've got this this overlap between something you care about and you're passionate about, and something presumably you're good at and you can execute really well. Um, so I mean, we've already got uh, overlap between two circles in a Venn diagram. The third circle would be, you know, uh, not to put it too bluntly, but who cares? Like, who really wants that really, mm-hmm. really badly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll, I'll also add that the other sort of element of focus is within the food system. Um, so sort of like taking the conversation in that direction just for a moment, I'll, I'll come back to answer your question. Um, you know, there's a, there's a number of consultancies that do human-centered design and even equity-centered design work in the world. Um, I think IDEO is probably the most well-known um, that works as a global consultancy, does that exact same type of work. Um, and Generally, consultancies um, do apply this approach to a broad set of challenges. Um, they're an example of a company that works on both, you know, the, the for-profit uh, side. They do product development, for example, as well as the social sector side. They might develop services and, you know, global health, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some some designers that are niche in certain areas. Um, I do not know of any individual designers or sort of soloists working in the food system with this lens. So I just want to add that as sort of the other element of focus. Um, in terms of the in terms of the need, um, is it there? So there in I came from an organization that I worked for for 10 years and spent a lot of time engaging with other food system organizations who seemed really energized by this particular approach and were really interested in it. I think it's it's become kind of like a hip sexy thing in um, certain fields, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, I think problem solving, like needing, you know, hiring consultancies to 
help address strategic challenges um, or to help design programs or services. There's no shortage of that that's in need. I think for me, in thinking about positioning, it's it's largely about how to um, how to introduce the idea of this approach to solve a problem that folks might um, look for and look at other solutions for, if that makes sense. It does, yes. So there are a lot of consultancies that exist in the world to help solve some of these challenges um, or to like, you know, um, take advantage of opportunities. But like, this is one approach that I think is a really great one that you could use that some folks might not know exists. Okay, great. So to make this, you know, for folks who are listening and maybe aren't super familiar with I think you've used the word food systems a couple times. Can you instantiate mm-hmm. that into something specific? Like what's a food? Who, yeah. Who runs, is like Procter & Gamble a food system or is like factory farming a food system or like fishery? Yeah. Like what's a food I mean, system? it's all connected to the food system. So it's what keeps food, um, you know, growing. It's, it's, if you think of it as like a chain, you have um, food that is, you know, grown, we think about agriculture, it's grown, it's produced, manufactured, and then it needs to be distributed. Um, we're reading a lot about that in the news of supply chains, of course, um, needs to be distributed. Um, and there's a lot of sort of like um, organizations like in between all of these sort of touch points, of course. Okay. So you mean the broader, you just mean the broader like oh, broad, global yeah. food system. Okay. Mm-hmm. So who are some companies, what are some, what are some typical companies that people would be familiar with at different parts of the, in different parts of the food system, maybe like some like some brand names that people would be familiar with. I mean, is it just every mm. stop and shop and Starbucks and, or, or is it more specific? Sure. Yeah. Um, you could think of really any of those places and they'd be accurate. When I think about the type, type of work I'm interested in, mm-hmm. um, it range, it can range. So for example, I'm really interested in the idea of redesigning, you know, how food programs work in hospitals so they, they can be more aligned with health and healing and more inclusive of the patient population. That's an area of the food system that I'm really interested in. So in, I come from an institutional food background in, in a way. Okay. Um, so I think that's really interesting. Um, I also think, you know, food challenges related to food waste. Food waste is enormous in the U.S. And there are different like opportunities to address food waste, whether it's at an individual company. I mean, you could be at a huge, you know, large corporation that produces food and there are solutions for addressing that there um, at that scale and that level. But there's also the level of like for consumers, like sell by dates, for example, on food is incredibly confusing <laughs> and it's, it's a known issue. That's like a really interesting design challenge. How can you change sort of public understanding and public perception of um, the food that they bring home so that it doesn't contribute to the enormous amount of waste that exists? So for me, it's less about companies and individuals. It's more about the issues and the challenges that they're experiencing. Right. I get that. And I'm hearing that. I want to find a business though. So like a business, you need to, you need a business to pay you money. So Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the businesses that most attract you? In other words, like what kind of clients in that? Cause it's huge. It's enormous. Like the space, now that I understand what you mean, it's ginormous. So, um, I, you know, I started to, I started to feel the something, something cool in the hospital space. Uh, So maybe a hospital is your client. Um, the, 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 Sell by dates are super interesting. Who's but who again? Who cares? Like, who wants to write a big fat check to to pay you to fix that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Okay, so I see what you're getting at. Um, I'll share a couple of examples. So one that is um, without getting into specifics that I'm probably going to be writing up a proposal for is a food association that has member companies um, that are part of that association, and that association is interested in. diversifying its membership. It has a pretty homogenous membership and perhaps hasn't been taking 
um, an eye towards equity and and um, the role it could play in actually increasing the number of like, the diversity of not just members in their association, but the number of people who actually just work in that field, right? Um, that could eventually become members of their association. Um, that's a very real example of of something that I'm I'm probably going to write a proposal for. Okay. So trade association. So if I was going to take that to a different industry, it'd be kind of like the American Medical Association saying, hmm, too many old white guys uh, on the board here. Um, we need to do something. We, we want to do something to make it more inclusive and equitable. Is that is that sort of a parallel? Yeah, yeah. So like um, for me, it would be understanding probably like, well, what are the barriers, right? That's the first question for people yep. um, who are interested and mm-hmm. are they interested. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And, you know, you're obviously you're writing a proposal. So, you know, you've clearly spoken with the people and there is a desire to uh, spend money to address what they see as a problem. So that's, that's good that's news. Right. Yep. And is that, um, let's, let's actually zoom out for a second. Um, we'll probably be zooming in and out quite a bit. If we zoom out business wise for you, what's your biggest challenge? Um, biggest challenge business wise it's, it's an anticipation of a challenge. I'm pretty fresh as a consultant. I'm four months in. So oh. I was very lucky to land a fellowship doing the exact type of work I want to do um, for the first six months of this. I've been doing some other projects along the way as well with some other consultancies. So I've, I've been um, doing work that I'm excited about. Um, for me, I think a challenge is it's it's the um it's essentially like the marketing work right it's it's the it's identifying what work will be in the pipeline and um and how far out i need to be doing some of that work and exactly what i want to be doing i'm very relationship based um i'm very involved in design and food systems and active member of many networks and so pretty much everything is word of mouth at this point and maybe that's okay for a longer period of time i don't know but that's it's an open question that i have okay great and do you feel like if somebody asked you today, I mean, I did ask you this today, um, it, but if someone was, if we were actually like at a cocktail party or something and I was just like, oh, nice to meet you. What do you do? And you were just going to give me a conversational, you know, seven, five, five, six, seven word answer. What would you say? And this is probably actually, you're nailing what my biggest challenge is. This is explaining this to somebody who doesn't know. So I will say that right now. I think that's the biggest challenge. Um, I would say, yeah, well, I do have an answer. I just think it, it, um, it turns into like seven follow-up questions, which might be okay, but it's, it's not, um, you know, summarizing it briefly. I would say that um, I, I think what I mentioned earlier, I help organizations that are tackling, um, you know, strategic and programmatic challenges to identify impactful solutions using equity-driven design. Inevitably, the next question is, well, what is that? If they don't know. <laughs> right. However, many people do. Some people do. But if you ask my parents, they have, I've explained it to them seven times. <laughs> right. Up as a question. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I already can't remember what you just said. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. there's a definite, there's definitely an issue there that, but it's a great starting point because it's really clear. It's just not memorable. So mm-hmm. and the, the beauty of having a memorable answer is that Especially at a, at a uh, you know, because word of mouth is great. Referrals are great if you're getting enough of them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want that to be my only source of leads, but it's a it's a really mm. good one. It's the best one probably in terms of likelihood of closing the deal and working with clients that you really want to work with. So it's great. Um, you can dramatically increase your word of mouth referrals and other kinds of sharing by having a really memorable answer to that question. So, mm-hmm, so you've got mm-hmm. you've got clarity in your own mind, and I and I I get the clarity. I feel the clarity too. 
but it's it's uh, all the words that you used are just giant. They're huge. They're like way way up in so the jargony. Air. So jargony. So jargony. Yeah, and 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 abstract. It's not. I mean, you did mm -hmm. have to explain a couple of terms to me earlier in our little chat, but but now that I heard them all and I get it, I do get it. Uh, but it it's I couldn't repeat it, you know. So and I didn't have a Rolodex moment. That's the most important thing. So I didn't think, oh, I know who I should introduce Lucy to. Because mm -hmm. everyone, including your parents and people who don't know what equity-driven design are or even what you mean when you say food systems, that, you know, they might be thinking Juicero, right? Like, who, right? It's like, what, what yeah. altitude are you operating <laughs> yeah. on? So, uh, but if you can, if you could have something in there that, that people, especially about your ideal buyer or at least a target market, or some kind of target organization that would allow someone who doesn't understand everything you do, but understands that you help this particular kind of this particular person, ideally, but uh, perhaps this kind of company with a particular expensive problem. And you actually touched on mm -hmm. this earlier, because you said that um, uh, companies that you work with, or at least companies who are, there are companies who have a problem, but don't know that this is a potential solution for it. And they might reach for different tools to solve the problem, perhaps not even perhaps worse tools. So, so I know it's in there. I know there's something in there. I know there's a problem in there because, because you already said there was, and, and even if you picked, even if you picked an organization or an ideal buyer, however you would describe it, that's reasonably tangible so that you could, you could pour gasoline on word of mouth from people who don't need to understand everything you do, but at least need to know who you would like to be introduced to, then you can really, it's, it's super helpful. It's much more memorable. It's much more, there's like an, there's like an action that they can take to help you. So if you're part, if you're a part of whatever kind of networks, family networks, church networks, trade association networks, um, just friends hanging out on, on whatever Instagram, and they know you help target market with expensive problem, it makes it so easy for them to just go through their their brain in their mental Rolodex and say, Oh, I know someone that I, I like, and I like Lucy, and maybe I should introduce them because she helps people just like my friend Bob with this kind of problem that he may or may not have, but at least we know what it is. So and I, the hard mm -hmm. part with this, usually the hard part with this is boiling down, you're operating like at a mission level, and boiling it, you know, like global yeah. warming is bad, everyone agrees. But who wants to, you know, but you're running a business, so you need people to write checks. And and it, I don't, I can't imagine anyone writing a check to anyone who just says, uh, I solve global warming, or I help you with global right. warming. It's like, I don't believe it. I just, it's too big. You, it has to be more specific. It's like not a, I help people with global warming. It's not a business, it's a mission. And that's great. It's super helpful. And you've got loads of that. I can, that's, it's like everywhere in your conversation. So what are some, what are some... If you were just, if you're going to make a list, maybe not just one, but if you're going to make a list of types of either ideal buyers or target markets who you could probably help, if they have this particular kind of expensive problem, you could definitely help them. So you mentioned hospitals already. Is that, let's just yeah. we workshop that a little bit and just see like what, what inside. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So mm -hmm. what's, who in the hospital is the most likely person or the highest level person in the hospital who would be likely to start a conversation with you or, or you believe is the one you should be talking to? Mm, um, this is an interesting question um, in part because I, uh, I haven't done any re real research on this yet, mm. but also because the nature of the way food 
the way the way food is viewed sort of in the U.S. and and in the systems that operate them, um, it's often separated from uh, the institution where it is provided. So an example, I, I worked in school food for years, um, like nationally, and um, people don't think about education as being a place like where food is connected, right? Even though millions of kids eat school breakfast, lunch, and you know, supper at schools. Mm. Um, and from the hospital perspective, I, I don't know if that person is somebody within the food service department because it's kind of siloed within a hospital system. Yeah. I think that's part of the problem that I, from the outside, I think is going on about why hospital food by and large is so disconnected from health and healing, right? Mm. Um, but it might be, I, I would imagine that if a hospital was actually interested in this topic and wanting to redesign or reimagine how it's integrated into their um, institution more broadly, it's probably someone higher up who is able to connect from like this internal silo of school nu- or food nutrition to the rest of the hospital. So somebody probably high up is what I would guess, mm-hmm. um, or somebody who's involved potentially in operations, but I don't know for sure. That'd be my guess. I don't know either, but that would be my guess. Either COO or CEO or whatever the equivalent is in a hospital, or maybe even someone on the board. So uh-huh. So I, I definitely agree. I think I think for something, the, the stuff you're talking about is so huge. And, and it's not the kind of thing you probably, it's not the kind of thing that probably would be addressed easily or, or even effectively uh, in a grassroots bottom up kind of way. It feels like it, it would be very top down where someone with a, a real big thinker at the top would need to say like, yes, this is important. It's going to be our, you know, uh, strategic goals for 2023 are to, you know, connect nutrition and wellness and have this sort of holistic approach to the entire hospital experience, let's just say. So yeah, it's, it's pretty much right. good. It's got to be somebody way up. Or I guess one alternative though, is that you have some, some major, some very large companies like an Aramark or a Sodexo mm-hmm. that um, does food service in, you know, stadiums and schools and um, prisons and hospitals as well. So it could also be like an internal goal from one of those food service management companies and they're trying to align with the hospital. That could be the other alternative, I think. Yeah. And what what did you call? What's that category of company? I call it a food service management company. Okay. So they get hired by other institutions to operate within the yeah. setting, whether it's, you know, a football stadium or a hospital. Mm-hmm. Are there any that, uh, this might be uh, tough to answer on the spot, but do you happen to know if any of these, if a food, if there are any food service management companies that are niched down on just hospitals and don't do arenas or don't do prisons or schools? That's a good question. I don't know. I would imagine some hospitals are, have, a, you know, self operations. They run their own. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not sure if there's a specialization in hospitals, something to look into though. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Cause I agree with you. I, I think it could be for, for people who are competing in the food service management space, there's probably, there's usually always someone looking to differentiate themselves. Like maybe the, the second, uh, the second tier, you know, that maybe there's a 400 pound gorilla and then uh, a disruptor that wants to get more market share or, or justify premium fees. Maybe it's become a commodity priced sort of thing and everybody's racing to zero and someone has got the got a big picture idea like okay if we could really differentiate ourselves we could uh, command a premium so it could be i agree it could be a um, competitive advantage for someone in the food service maintenance space especially a disruptor Mm -hmm. or someone who's um you know in second place you know like we try harder because we're (laughs) 
because we're number two. Uh, so that yeah. might be that might be interesting, or even some boutique ones. I I I imagine there are there. Again, these sound like they even the small ones would probably be pretty big companies. Uh, but that would be interesting to kind of. I, I would spend a little bit of time looking around and say like, okay, at one of these uh, trade association events, which surely they have some kind of events like conferences or some, some sort of get togethers annually. Mm-hmm. Um, who's sponsoring those? I'd be curious who in the food space is sponsoring to either be at a trade show or um, otherwise get in front of their buyers. That'd be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think you're right. Uh, okay. Um, the school thing really captured my imagination because so many people have experience with that. I mean, everybody, I suppose, has some experience with the hospitals, but nothing compared to schools. Um, and then the, what was the other thing you mentioned? The food, the, let's, let's jump over to the sell by date. Who, mm-hmm. who's the customer there? Or is that global warming? Is that, is there's no one customer or is it a trade association or like who's, who do, who do you think would be the, in a position to take action on your advice and, and make and make an implementation of that work. That's a really um, a really good question. I um, I'm not sure who dictates the sell by dates. Um, I know that there's like a lack of consistency in terms of regulation, um, so I don't know when they're required and when they're not. I know that some companies do it like offer it themselves, and so they might like you know be using a different method for identifying that date um, versus mm-hmm. another company. Um, but I would look into who oversees that, if anybody, in what level, whether it's federal or state, um, right. and what policies regulate it. So it depends. But this, this could be the type of thing that is ends up being not so much a business that funds it, but it's like, you know, it could be a state agency that's interested in doing some work around it, and that would be, a, right. a, you know, a government project. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, like, would it be, in, would it be like, completely crazy to imagine the FDA being one of your clients? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I think it would probably be the, probably be the USDA. I could be wrong on that. Um, Sorry, but yeah. No, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. You're right, USDA. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it would be. Um, um, I think that's totally reasonable. Okay, cool. And and you mentioned a, a fellowship earlier. Can you explain what that is? How that works? Sure. Yeah. So this is. Um, I applied for an equitable design fellowship with a research and design firm based in San Francisco, and was very lucky to get it. So that when I shifted from my job of ten years into um, my solo work, mm-hmm. I was able to step into this position where I'm doing a project that's essentially a passion project that I'm interested in and I have six months to implement that. So that's what I'm doing. And it's, um, you know, you could call it, I guess there's, uh, I wouldn't call it a portfolio piece. Like there's something that will come at the end of this that I could say, Hey, this is something I worked on, but it's just as much about the opportunity to test out some design practices and ideas and collaborate with a really smart group of people. Mm, That's a great little on-ramp. So is what's the what's the company's is the company in the space like what's the motivation what's their motivation f- for creating the fellowship in the first place I think they're interested in um, it's kind of an experiment for them they're interested in seeing what a fellow who brings an equity lens can do in partnership with their team so I spend a lot of time with their team talking about opportunities and challenges internally with the way they do their design work and collaborating on um, you know questions that they're answers to questions they're grappling with in addition to that they i mean their primary focus is um on teen and young adult mental health related issues and the project that i pitched is at the intersection of food and mental health oh wow that's great okay cool yeah yeah i I, i'm i feel extremely extremely grateful both for the 
the um, on-ramps that you mentioned and um, just the amount of learning I've been able to do the last few months. Food and mental health in teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've got me hovering back to the school angle <laughs> or anybody Yeah, that... I worked in school food for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, but maybe it's not, you know, school administrator or system administrator, you know, school system administrators. Maybe it's a comp, you know, Cisco or somebody that supplies to, uh, to those schools. And you've got this amazing street cred of the, you know, fellowship where you were, you're going to have more than a portfolio piece, but you know, some kind of in the field result from this, mm-hmm. from exploring this intersection. You could even, you know, if it's, if it's teens, you could even get even, you could even get more specific and say high schools, um, maybe colleges too, high schools and colleges. Ooh, higher ed, that's interesting. They're always looking for mm-hmm. another bullet point to put on their brochure. That's mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. If, a, if a university made a name for themselves in this space, maybe the school itself has some history with food. What would that be? That seems, that maybe that's a stretch. But, um, but if we got specifically, if we just said high school, and you've been in the space, so you would know. Is there is there someone at in the high school system administration somewhere who's the right person? It's not it's not a principal, right? It has to be bigger than that. It has to be it has to be like a, would it be a state thing or big maybe a big private school? Would a big private school care about this? I think it depends on the thing that we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But a district level, if you're talking about public schools, district level, state agencies potentially, um, you know, if they're interested in topics, for example, mental health and, and food. Um, what would that so agency yeah, think, be called? Think, like, what's oh, this? At a state agency level, you know, it could be like, um, I live in the state of Oregon, you know, the Oregon Department of Education and the Oregon Department mm-hmm. of Agriculture work together actually on, on certain things. So mm-hmm. I think it could be either of those depending on the topic and potentially both um, since they do collaborate. Yep. Very cool. And or agriculture. Very cool. Um, as an experiment, if you're going to experiment for, you know, maybe six months after, let's say the next six months, if you're going to experiment with finding an expensive problem specific to say that intersection one or the other state department of education or department of agriculture what's the problem that they would what's the problem that they would have where they would where you get on their radar and they go eureka like this is exactly what we've been looking for i can't believe this person exists it's like a gift like what's the problem that they're having that would cause them to rush to pick up the phone to call you yeah um are we still talking about the same specific food-related topic? Yeah. So if we're so if we're if your if your um, specific skill, your horizontal skill is equity-driven design. You know, if you're an equity-driven design strategist, and and you're interested in applying that particular skill, which could be applied to any vertical, to mm-hmm. the intersection of food and teen and mental health for teens. So imagine if you were going to do a TED talk. And it was about the intersection of the effect of food on teens' mental health. And that's your TED Talk. Mm-hmm. That's your book. That's your research. And and it comes to the attention of the head of the State Department of Education in Oregon. What is the problem they have that would cause them to, to rush to contact you? Mm, yeah. Um, 
so I'm making some of this up, right? Because I haven't done like the research on this specific topic and with this particular um, like a, a state agency. But knowing what I know, I could imagine there being something around um, the very real mental health implications from the pandemic, right? Like we're reading about it. We know about it. There's initial research coming out about um, how, um, what it's looked like for youth in general sure. mm. and for teens in particular. It's been a really, really, really tough time. I and um, I'm sure the research is behind actually on how, what the impact has been and how dramatic it has been for teenagers. Um, so there would, it would have to be something I think connected to like the, what role a state would want their schools to play as a community hub that is supporting teens um, from a mental health perspective and being able to draw the line between food and mental health. And I think that could look a number of ways, depending on what, like, you know, what the actual challenges that they've identified through their own research. Um, so I'm kind of speaking in vague terms here because I haven't done the research myself, but um, I think that would to me be the most time sensitive, urgent, one of the more time sensitive, urgent um, issues that is, is, currently um facing teens or rather what teens are currently facing mm, yeah and, and like you said earlier there's probably lots of different tools that someone in a someone who has a mandate to improve the numbers of teen mental health mm -hmm. would could potentially reach for lots of different things that might not be the, fir the first thing they think of might not be mm, we need to do something about the food program mm -hmm. yep. so yeah right. yeah or they think about the food program from the perspective of um hunger, which is also very real, very real issue right now in the U.S. Um, in terms of the number of teens experiencing hunger. So um, that in and of itself is a, is a um, issue that needs to be addressed in schools. I think have a huge opportunity there, um, but a connection, a stronger connection, I think can be drawn between those two things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I, I can imagine the answer to this question, but I'd like to hear it in your words. If, mm. if, let's say, let's say this was an area. Let's say that, let's say that, I don't know, somebody, somebody listening to this knows someone somewhere that is like one of these state administrators and starts a conversation maybe forwards this over and they were interested in talking to you where does the equity piece come in mm -hmm. um two two main ways i think it's um designing for equitable outcomes so who are in this scenario who are the teens most impacted right um and i would imagine that there are certain demographics that are more disproportionately impacted mm -hmm. for example by you know hunger um and other mental health challenges for like a variety of reasons and so it's it's looking at where you know you could say tide raises all boats but also you got to put a focus on some of those boats some specific boats and yeah, the ones that are sinking so yeah. yeah right so like equitable outcomes is one so designing for that but also doing the work equitably so there is a you know it's very uh, easy for somebody to say, I'm just going to go out there and research and get a bunch of information from people and go into the corner and design solutions myself, which may or may not result in actual buy-in over the thing that's produced, right? So I'm a big believer in co-design and it's about facilitating a process where people who are most impacted by the issues, people who are closest to the issues are actually involved along the way. So they're in, they have great ideas. They know, you know, most intimately what they're experiencing. They're actually involved in the process. Fabulous. I love that. So true too. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So, okay. So would you, would, would you then, are, are there any kinds of businesses that you would reject working with? You know, like yeah. based on what you, <laughs> I uh, can of course, say that. of course the answer mm -hmm. is yes. Yes. Um, yep. 
are there ones that would maybe surprise listeners? Like, like I mentioned private schools earlier. Would you be like, mm. no way, I'm staying public sector because those are automatically like just the rich kids? Uh, or uh, it would, would, would you be able to do something equitable in a ritzy private, you know, boarding school? Yeah, that's a good question. It wouldn't be a priority for me. Let's put it that way. Um, it wouldn't be a priority for me. I, um, I'm a big believer in this example, like public education and investing in public education. So um, that would be my priority. Um, but I, you know, I think if, if I'm not thinking, if I'm not talking about schools for a second, we're talking about other types of companies. Um, I, well, I would I, I identify but like a progressive person. Um, I do not expect and I know that not everybody is in the same place on their journey towards creating more equitable future, right? And um, just because some company or individuals at a company have been doing that work for years, and they're like really forward thinking, and they're looking to hire someone to do work that they already are aligned with, that's great. Um, I am very open to working with companies that are that are looking the same direction on that trajectory, but they might be further behind on that journey. That's okay to me. Like they don't, you know what I mean? So like the the criteria for me, the most important criteria is people are actually committed to moving in that journey, even if they're in different places on the journey. So um, I can't, I'm not thinking of a specific organization right now that might be surprising, but you know, I would, would I want to work with a soda company? No, probably not. But if there was, you know, another company that maybe they've done some stuff in the past that hasn't been great, but they've got leadership who's really interested in, you know, charting a new path forward, like the, I would be open to that, um, depending on, you know, how conversations go. Mm. So you do seem to lean much more public sector. Is that fair to say? Leaning public sector, yes. Um, but I think there would probably, I think there are definitely for profits in the world that, you know, like I'm, I'm making this up, but let's say like, DoorDash. I don't know what challenges they're dealing with. I'm totally making this up on the spot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're working in the food space. Like they're a for-profit. I actually don't know really anything about them. But like if they had a t like something that they were working on and it seems like a good fit, like I would for sure take that phone call and um, and explore it a bit and see um, what they wanted to do, what their priorities were, why they were calling me. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you were if you were suitably convinced that that some for-profit company was truly mission-driven. You know, uh, I mean, it's not food, but if we if we thought a hard, we could probably come up with a food example of like Warby Parker or Tom's Shoes, and the the they donate glasses and they donate shoes, and I don't know, some kind of some kind of company in the food space. There probably is one, like I don't know, Charity Water or something. I mean, that's they're not a for profit. I don't think but. there probably is, but it doesn't even have to be that. Honestly, if they're just if it's just a company that sells food, like that's fine. I just I you know it's it's about harmful practices for me in the end. You know, if they're like selling products to somebody, if it is DoorDash, and you know, I again, I really don't know anything about them, so I don't hope I don't mm -hmm. get any calls later from right. people saying like I can't believe <laughs> oh, you're talking evil. about DoorDash. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I yeah, you know, for me, it's not just about food practices. It's, well, there's there's other pieces of their work that I would want to do like to assess um, and understand the way in which they um, they move through the world. An example, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm bringing up on, on, a, on a public call like this, but I think is an interesting one, you know, is, um, well, maybe I shouldn't mention it, but let's just say there's like a really, really big um, grocery store chain, um, you know, that had a history of doing some problematic stuff, but was also trying to do some 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 more positive stuff in the world where I, I would say they're in like a squishier space for me where I would say oh interesting like I've got like me 10 years ago with my viewpoints back then would have said absolutely not I would never work with them me now maybe maybe I would I, again, right. I think it depends 
Well, I think it speaks to your your point earlier about, you know, joining them where they are in the mission, if they're going the right direction, if you believe that they're going in the right direction. And I, believe me, I'm not trying to talk you out of this. I'm just trying to find out where the, where yeah. the boundary lines are. Uh, yeah, and okay. I think the other thing, the other factor for me is recognizing that, um, and you made a comment earlier um, on a different topic about sort of like the power of grassroots work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, food systems, the food system is enormous, right? And some of, some of these companies have enormous influence to change. And I know people who wouldn't step foot into a room uh, with some of those companies, but like, I, I do believe that there needs to be some work done internally in those places as well. So um, that's a factor too. Yep. Okay. Can I ask a question? Sure, of please. You? So it, it has to do with the... Um, in thinking about how I describe the work that I do, recognizing that it's um, across, you know, across in, in many ways different sectors that touch the food system. I, this is an analog that I've wondered about. Um, and in the business world, people know, if you start, start talking about like McKinsey, people know what you're talking about if you know business. If you do not know business, someone says, I work at McKinsey, I'm consulting. It's just, you get like this eyes glazed over look. And then they try to explain what they're doing and you still don't get it. And I bring it up because um, it, to me, it's kind of similar, right? They work with a lot of different types of companies across different fields. They've got a nonprofit consulting arm um, that works with nonprofits, again, and <laughs> where they work in different fields and sectors. Um, yet they have a pretty clear message about what they do as a process. Um, but it doesn't matter if everybody understands what they do, right? And that's very clear because a lot of people don't. Um, I... For in my case, and I have to think about that as you know an analog in some ways. Well, I guess I'll I'll end with my question, which is um, like, for whom does my business description need to click with immediately, and for whom can I spend a little time explaining it to? Mm. I, I don't think you necessarily know the answer. I think I need. To- no, I do. I have an answer. <laughs> I know what so you mean. You? Yes. Well, yeah. l- let me flip it around. Would it be better for you or worse for you if everyone understood it as soon as you told it to them? Better. <laughs> right. So why yeah, not better. Why not strive to come up with language that makes it really easy to understand? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, are you, are you ever going to get all the way there? Nope. But you probably can get really close. And the thing that you need to mm-hmm. get, the, I think the most helpful thing, the most helpful thing, especially in the way the world is now, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 53 and... There didn't used to be the internet. <laughs> now there is the internet. And the the idea, it's just unbelievable. Like word of mouth in the 80s was like nothing. It was like nothing. It was it was huge then. But think of how much huger it is with social media, email. Mm. It's huge. Online groups, forums, online events. If you have good if you have a really clear target market you're probably only two hops away, forget six degrees of separation, you're probably one person away from a dream buyer. There's probably there's probably someone mm-hmm. who is friends with or friend of a friend with a dream perfect buyer for you. So if you can arm all of the people who know and trust you with that one piece of information, who does Lucy help? Who, who does Lucy want to help, even if it's aspirational? That would, that's right there is like Mm, it's mm -hmm. like magic it's like magic yep like if you find the right combination of words that are as tangible as can be and as 
and easily understood. It, it's like magic. Everyone says it. Everyone says it. When they nail their positioning, that's the word they use. They're like, it's like magic. Like all the stuff I'm doing for marketing is suddenly working. And the, the thing that I find a little, something I say to convince people to always say the same thing, at least when they're starting out with positioning, always say the same thing. I help X with Y. And, and don't judge the person you're talking to that they're not smart enough to understand that or they're not worldly enough to know what those words mean. It's rude. So why would you say something different? to Not you. I, I'm saying this to the public. Why would you, everyone, introduce yourself differently to different people? It's because you're, you're judging them. So stop judging people. Tell them what you do. And if they're not, if they don't mm. know what that is, it like don't start explaining it before they ask. Just say, "I'm a dog lawyer," and let them say, <laughs> "What's that?" You gotta yeah. find. You gotta find a good way to say conversationally what you do. It's usually like six words. It shouldn't be too many. It's like six or seven words. And the the joke I make is like, if you can describe a hundred million dollar Hollywood movie in fifteen words, like. Anyone listening to this can describe what they do for their ideal buyers in fewer. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. And it's not, and when you read that blurb about a movie, you go through Netflix, it's like, you know, they're just short. They're like two, two lines. And of course, that's not the whole movie. Of course it's not. It's just enough information to get you interested and start, you know, start thinking about it. For you mm-hmm. and everyone who's like a solo consultant or a small firm, you need to leverage that word of mouth. Like that's your outside sales force. They trust you. They love you. They know you're uh, good at what you, maybe they don't know if you're good at what you do. Maybe they believe you're good at what you do, but they know you're not going to screw anybody. You know, they know your heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. They trust you. And they have people who trust them because they have a relationship and people love, love, love matchmaking. So if you give them enough information so that they know who you're looking for, then they will do it. So, you know, you don't have, you you know, people like us aren't buying billboards and jumbotrons and blimps, you know, we can't, right. we're, not, we're not like MetLife. So we're not doing these big brand advertising campaigns in, in Harvard Business Review or wherever. So we really need to leverage that word of mouth, which also leads to other things like effective marketing. Um, if you can, if you've got word of mouth figured out, then uh, all the other stuff you do in social media or email lists or podcasting, it'll automatically have that same extra energy. So mm-hmm, I know I kind mm-hmm. of I, I kind of dodged your question and turned it around, but coming up with a way <laughs> that you can explain what you do in plain English, no jargon, in a way that will resonate with your mom, so that she can be like, oh, I know someone who, yes, I know someone I should introduce you to, whatever that thing is. All right, I'll stop. Soon. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'm to- I'm to know. I'm totally on board with that. That makes a ton of sense, and I'm also just thinking to myself. Uh, how how important those figuring out the right words not so they're just plain English but so it also like uh, guess as specific as you can be with a with a few words like I'm you know like the the a, a short description of the movie The Shining could be like a family goes on vacation for the winter like how do you make sure that you're actually like right. getting you, at exactly what you do and in a few words makes a lot of sense to me right I mean again the most important thing isn't really what you do. If you, if by what you do, right. what you're helping companies with, mm-hmm. right. yep. yeah, because so, they know, because the person you're talking to will know whether or not they know somebody in that space and the person in that space who they introduce the, you to will know whether or not they have that problem. And if they have mm-hmm. that problem really, really bad, if it's, if for whatever reason, they are highly motivated to write a check to make it go away, 
They won't care if you wave a magic wand or if you do interpretive dance or how you do it. But if you can, if this person who I trust says that you can make this problem go away for people like me, I want to get on the phone and I want you to tell me all about it. That's your opportunity mm -hmm. to get into the details. But yeah, you're right. You want yeah. it to be accurate enough so you're not attracting people who you don't want to work with because then that's just a waste of everyone's time. So you do need to have a, a certain degree of specificity. Um, and you could even have, I think it's sometimes a good idea because it's a real, real good shorthand to potentially have some industry specific jargon in the problem. So because then that will immediately identify you as an as an insider. So it's tough for me to come up with an example for your space. But mm. but the idea is that, for example, if you said, if someone's positioning was, I help professionals with, uh, I don't know, I help professionals increase their number of clients, that's going to be off putting to doctors specifically, because they don't have clients. Mm -hmm. so, but if you said I help professionals get more patients, now all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this is someone in the medical space, some, you know, someone, she helps people somewhere in, you know, could be dentists, could be psychiatrists, could be MDs, don't know. But you could get obviously, you could get more specific and say, Oh, I help concierge doctors, uh, get more patients or get uh, better patient compliance, something like that, you know, where people are just right. Yeah. So if you can, and here's the here's, I'll shut up after this last one. The other thing that always comes up when people are talking about this and how specific should I be, um, you know, there, there are restaurants near my house. There's one in particular called McBride's Pub. And out front, they have uh, one of those A-frame like sandwich board signs on the sidewalk. And it it's like a blackboard. Mm -hmm. And they always only ever put one thing on it. It's like, um, you know, in the summer, it'd be like, you know, ice cold Bud Lights inside. It's like they have 200 mm -hmm. beers on, you know, there, there's like, Obviously, they have more inside, but if the if the offer is attract, the idea is you want to take someone who's not thinking about you and is just sort of walking by a stranger, and you want to attract their interest with the thing that they're probably thinking about right now. That's what people say, you know when people say join the conversation in their head. It's like it's like start there, and it's like summer heat got you down, ice cold Bud Light inside. It's like yeah, the summer heat does have me down. <laughs> Maybe I should. And then you go inside. <laughs> yeah. Now, once they're inside in the, 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 the parallel here would be like a sales interview. Uh, once they're inside the bartender or the, the server can walk me through all my options, but I know that the, the, the pain that I'm currently experiencing, you know, I'm too hot and I'd like to get something cool to drink. That's true. And I know it right then, but it doesn't, it doesn't need to reveal like you wouldn't want to put the entire list of 200 beers on the sign because it would be too small and I just walk past it. It's not specific enough. You're asking way too much of the the stranger passing by. You know, you're asking way too much for that. It, you know, if you give them too much information, you're it's unrealistic. So if you right. can pull out the thing that your you know, you know, I say it all the time. It's like help people you like get what they want. If you can find people you really like, the people you really want to work with, to find however you wanted to find it, and they and a bunch of them or even enough of them want this one particular thing and you can help them get it that's that's what should be on your sidewalk that's the sign you put out front that's the thing you say when somebody says oh what do you do and then once a conversation is going you can get into your process if you want you can just you could just answer their questions and then it's not like pitching mm -hmm. it's not like trying to educate them that's a waste of time yeah yeah is there time for one follow-up question on this please yeah as many um, as you want so that all makes perfect sense to me 
I and I recognize that the types of projects I would be interested in working on mm-hmm. are, are kind of all over the place, right? Because like, mm-hmm. again, it's like it's the same approach and process that can be applied to so many different things. Um, in thinking about this approach, like the 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 sandwich board approach here, mm-hmm. is the idea that this is, or would the idea be to create that short, pithy pitch language for sort of like almost like inbound <laughs> companies and organizations that are exploring whether it's my LinkedIn or my website to learn what I do while recognizing that there might be some types of projects that wouldn't, or some companies or organizations that wouldn't necessarily see themselves in that because I have to get, I have to get somewhat narrow here, right? Like I can't just say like any organization that touches the food system, like that's far too broad. That's, yeah. But can I simultaneously be going after projects? So for example, if I find something that fits in different types of like a, a DoorDash and a hospital and a few other places, like they fit into this thing that I come up with, this language I come up with. Mm-hmm. And also on the side, I'm really interested with some collaborators on trying to like partner with a state agency on figuring out how to destigmatize food benefit programs, which mm-hmm. is something I'm very interested in, but would probably not fit clearly or obviously within my my sandwich board language mm-hmm. is like, do people do both of those things at the same time? Do they, do they go after some of the projects that might not, you know, fit in because government agencies generally aren't doing research to try to find, you know, um, a company like mine to solve um, sort of an issue that they're grappling with. They usually put out, you know, they have RFPs and things like that. They're, they're, they're trying to bring people in <laughs> mm-hmm. to their world rather than going out into um, sort of the world of a, of another company. Can those, both, both of those things happen at once? Uh, not real effectively. So, so I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna reframe the question a little bit. If if you did come up with a sandwich board quote question, a heck yeah question, where your ideal buyers are gonna say, heck yeah, I'm hot right now. Bud Light sounds great, and they go inside and maybe they buy something else. But you at least got their attention and started a conversation. If you were if you were didn't have any if you didn't have any things in play right now, like you weren't already in the middle of pitches and proposals and those sorts of things. If you had, if you're just mm-hmm. starting from scratch right now, why wouldn't you, what, like, why would you go outside for, let's say for six months, I'm going to try and go after, uh, the head of the state board of education in every state. And then you set your, you, you change your LinkedIn headline to, I help, uh, whatever state education leadership with expensive problem. And you just connect with every single one of them. You connect with people who are, you know, uh, second in command in those departments. You create content for those exact people about that exact problem. And you did that for six months. You probably wouldn't need to be scrambling for every old thing that's a possible that comes your way. And this, this is where, I mean, this might seem like it's out of left field, but this is why strategy is important because if you've got an objective and you decide on a strategy strategy for reaching that objective, the strategy becomes a litmus test for what things are opportunities and what things are actually distractions. So mm-hmm. here's how it plays out. So, cause here's, here's what happens. Even if you don't do outreach to people outside of the target market that you are targeting, um, and you just, you just like throw your, your line in the water everywhere in the ocean, you're zipping around with your boat to every, every spot. Like, let me try over here. Let me try over here. Let me try over here. And even if you don't do that, even if you're super focused and you only do inbound content mark, you know, content marketing and, and brand and, and all of that to attract a particular kind of buyer and you do outbound just to that kind of buyer and everything's totally aligned, you're still going to attract people from adjacent industries. 
because they're going to talk. So they're going to hear about you and they're going to come to you anyway. And they're going to say, I know we're not in your target market. You don't usually work with people like us, but I really think that you could help us. Would it be okay to get some time on your calendars or any way we could do that? Like they're apologetic almost, which is great framing for you. Um, so you get, you, you get on the phone call and then you're like, yeah, they're actually, I could actually help these people. So now you have to ask yourself if this is an opportunity or a distraction, because at the mm. end, of, at the end of this engagement, they might give you a glowing testimonial that you can't use on your website because it would, it would wreck your inbound. So do you really want, like, what's your strategy? It goes back to what your strategy is. If your strategy is to start in the high public high school space, but then you intend you know, assuming that that works, you intend to broaden out to hospitals next and then maybe prisons after that, and you know you're going to do that and that's your long-term objective, then it makes sense to take on that hospital, even though you're targeting schools, because you'll be able to use that testimonial in, in 12 months or something. But you don't want to do it all at once. You know what I mean? You don't want to boil the ocean, as they say. You don't want to try and do all of that when you're just trying to get the... the um, the word of mouth started. You want you've got this little not you. I'm again. I'm switching back and forth between you specifically and the general you. But when people are just starting out and they don't have a like they're not booked out months in advance. They don't have leads. They don't have so many leads that they have to like be picky and choosy. If you're in that phase where you don't have enough leads to be picky, then the way to get a, the way to get to the next stage is to get laser focused on one particular thing because you've only got so much. You know, a soloist or a small firm only has so much time and money to be do, to be not getting paid to do client work, right? Like they need to need to be able to do this marketing stuff. And the the magic trick to doing it is being ridiculously focused. It seems and it seems counterintuitive because people are like, well, wouldn't it be smarter to cast a, a big net in the ocean instead of you know just fishing in this like barrel of fish? And the metaphor is wrong because when when someone like us is in the ocean, they're not fishing with a net. Like McDonald's can fish with a net. Apple can fish with a net. We still have our one fishing pole or we've just a little, little tiny net and we're out in the ocean with 3.5 trillion fish, but we can't catch any because the ocean's so big that the fish aren't clustered together. But if we go to a barrel that only has a thousand fish in it and it's jam packed, we could pick them out at our leisure. So it's, it's the metaphor isn't big net versus little net. It's big ocean versus little barrel. You've got the same net. So so going to the barrel that's full of fish, in which the metaphor, of course, is some kind of watering hole where your ideal buyers talk about business. They talk about this problem, the place where they would talk about this problem that you solve. So it's I, it, I know it's counterintuitive and it's extremely, it triggers this like fear reflex. People are like, oh, but if I don't fish in the ocean, I'll starve. And it's like the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like, it's funny because I'm like, oh, I feel really niche. But as, as we're talking through this, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding what you're saying. Um, your specialization, more, me, it's, it's, you're highly specialized, but you yes, don't have a niche. Specialized. Yeah. Right. This is very, <laughs> this has been very informative and helpful. And for me, it's, it's not a concern about not finding the work. I definitely think it's there. It's, I'm just, I'm so excited about so many different topics. It's, <laughs> it's a matter of me, um, even if it's, you know, not, for the long term, it's, mm -hmm. it's for the for the near future. Really, really um, focusing on a niche. It makes a lot of sense. This has been very eye opening for me. Cool. Well, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to like talk for so long. I know we went over time. I hope you're not late for anything. No, 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 no. This is um, this has been such a great learning opportunity for me, and um, also useful just to, to talk through 
with somebody who's who's not familiar with the work that I do at all, right? Because I actually right. do work with a lot of people who work in similar spaces and we're able to talk about things, dive into the conversation really easily. So this has um, been good practice and, and feedback as well, of course. Great, great. Well, let's say someone out there knows the head of the board of whatever, the, the school board in Oregon. <laughs> How should they get in touch with you? Do you have a website they can go to or LinkedIn or what's the best way to find you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you could go to studiomagichour.com and uh, everything links through that website. So you can find my email address there, links in, et cetera. Cool. Studiomagichour.com? That's right. Dot com. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Well, I'll put that in the show notes for anybody. So if they want to click through and get in touch with you. But yeah, thanks again for uh, being brave and coming on the show. I know it's like probably feels like some kind of a interrogation or something. <laughs> no, it's great. I, I appreciate it. But being vulnerable is always a good practice. So thank you for the time and the feedback and the insights. I appreciate it. Awesome. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me again next time on Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.